Alright, it's Marv2K coming at you again. We're gonna talk about dogs. Because we like to talk about dogs. So, I had three dogs, and they were very important to me. There were three... dogs, and they were purebred dash hounds. So, I mean, have this edited out. Three purebred dash hounds. We had one that was Cola, we had one that was Dasha, and we had one that was Tony Barks. Now, I want to talk about Tony Barks. He was the best dash hound out of all of them. Now, he had a bad back problem. And we got him all fixed up, and it was fine. But the, the most magnificent thing that happened with Tony Barks was, like, when, when you saw a dog, I don't care what kind of a dog it was, it could be a, a you know, a purebred. It could be, a, you know, a, a, any kind of a dog. This guy, he knew, he knew what he was doing. And when we left the house, and it, this was an accident, we would put a paper towel roll down. And th this is magnificent. I love this story. Yeah, you should. You, 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 you want to start over? Yeah, I would. I would like to start over. You, we should start over because this is a true story. <laughs> that was a good one. You were on a roll there. That was pretty high. I know, I know, but I would like you. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. Walk into this room at your own risk, because it leads to the future. Yo, see, bitch. Let's go. I love this. You got surprise for the city. Yeah, you're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. Well, howdy, partner. Welcome back to I Have to Return Some Videotapes. Yahoo! I'm your host, Eric, and uh, that guy you heard, that was Marvin. Uh, I've actually kind of been wanting to get him on the podcast for a while, but it never seems like the right time. So, hey, buddy, you made it. You hit the big time. And, uh, yeah, welcome back to I Have to Return Some Videotapes. You beautiful, beautiful bitches. I missed you. How you been? Really? Oh, my God. Whoa, that's crazy. Holy shit. I'm sorry I missed that. I mean, I do sleep all night, but anyway, um, I didn't really intend it to be, but, uh, this episode's gonna be a bit of a dog-themed episode. I was, uh, thinking specifically about a boy and his dog. It's, uh, it's an old 1969 novella by Harlan Ellison. Later, it got developed into a few more books, and eventually a graphic novel is even a movie you can go and watch if you're terribly interested, but, uh, a boy and his dog was sort of the inciting incident, as it were, the sort of 
precursor to the sort of fallout type narrative. You know that classic like, the government has collapsed four years after the apocalypse. I make my way with only the dog by my side and the gun up my ass. <laughs> it's like that. You know, that sort of fallout Kafka-esque shit that uh, is really interesting to me. And for the record, I'm a cat man. All right. I, I was raised by two things. Lots of cats and lots of women. So uh, both of those things are just uh, just a part of me now. You know, that's just the way it be. And uh, I always grew up with cats. I think the first time I had a dog around when I was like 14, 13. But there was always cats. Always, always, always. And I've always loved cats. I sort of love their... Uh, it's a bit more challenging to get a cat to like come over and sit on your lap. Like if a cat doesn't like you, it fucking doesn't like you. All right, and I guess you could say the same thing about dogs, but uh, I guess I always put dogs sort of in that big, dumb energy of like, oh, hey, you want to play? You want, you want a treat? You want to do what you want to do? I'm here, buddy. I'm here for you, man. Hey, what do you want to do? Hey, it's me. Hey, I'm your dog. Hey, let's do something. Hey, I missed you. It's like, man, I don't need that. I would rather have like vaguely pissed off at me cat than big, dumb dog energy, but uh, it's sort of naive to assume that all dogs have big, dumb dog energy, and I was certainly proven wrong not too long ago. It seems that there's getting a stronger and stronger case for dogs in my life. A lot of that, I would argue, is thanks to Hannah and uh, one Mr. Flappy Boy. He's just a, he's a fucking cute man. He was such a cute little flappy little guy. And um, it's interesting to me that it seems... I have no way of you know saying this with any kind of firmness, but uh, I really feel like the, the relationship between a dog owner and their dog is stronger than with a human and their cat, you know? Because the cat sort of has that fuck you, I don't really give a shit, I'll do what I want, what I want attitude. And I feel like dogs are a little bit closer to us in a way. They actually did some studies and found that uh, both when humans are around dogs and when dogs are around humans, it releases this little chemical called uh, oxy, oxy, oxy something. It's essentially a form of dopamine. So it, it really does show that dogs... Just like being around us. Just kind of like we like being around dogs. I, I haven't really looked into whether or not that's the case with cats, but uh, it sort of led me down the dog rabbit hole. So this is going to be a bit of a dog episode. Um, there's not really much scientific to talk about. I mean, the science will, not only is it kind of dry, but like if I were to talk about, you know, the evolution of dogs from fucking good old fashioned Canis lupus to Canis lupus familiaris. There's a lot of yucky, uncomfortable stuff in the way. Like you would, for example, have to talk about that period of time where we basically just treated dogs as genetic silly putty. Where we were like, hey, what if... <laughs> hey, shut up, shut up. What if we got a corgi and a German Shepherd to bone? And then, like, we kept a baby? <laughs> you know what I mean? What if... What if we took this dog, right, and we fucking smashed its nose in, like, real hard, to the point where its face is flat and it, like, can't breathe really well, ever? Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. So, instead of talking about uh, some of the more cut-and-dry science of things, uh, I kind of wanted to touch into folklore, which is always far more exciting and interesting than science. I mean, hey, I'm not here to shit on science, but, uh... Folklore certainly is more fun. So that's basically what we're going to be talking about right after these messages. Dog police, they're writing everyone. Dog police, coming wherever you go. They came from outer space and they're out of sight. If you've ever seen them, you 
trench coat and a hat Watch them track down those dirty rats Armed with a badge and a net and a leash They say they are the Dog police They're riding everyone Dog police Helping wherever you go Dog police They're riding everyone Dog police Helping wherever you go Helping wherever you go Well, a good dog on the ground's worth three in the saddle, no matter where you're from. Been many good dog was a friend to a man, but Sam was the greatest one. He was a hound of hounds, he was the wonder of all walkers, he loved howling at the moon, he loved treeing that raccoon. Most of all, he was my best friend, and he's gone too soon. He was a rhino, the litter, but a plenty mean pup Put Sam on the scent, and he never let up Spent his nights on a porch, chewing on a bare bone Now he's underground, and I'm all alone Well, a good dog on the ground's worth three in the saddle No matter where you're from Been many good dog was a friend to a man But Sam was the greatest one He was a hound of hounds He was wonder of all walkers He loved howling at the moon he loved treeing that raccoon. Most of all, he was my best friend, and he's gone too soon. Alrighty, uh, a couple of things to mention before I, I get started talking about some pupper folklore. Number one, boy oh boy, am I gonna butcher some of these names. That's just gonna happen. I'm sorry about it. Nothing I can do. My hands are tied. I have a filthy, yucky, yankee tongue that, uh, just can't do it too good so uh apologies for that and um also in sort of you know looking up these things um it was interesting sort of figuring out what to cut folklore is a pretty vague term in general and a lot of the stories i ran into were basically just cautionary tales you know like you better not go outside or the big gray wolf is gonna eat your asshole with his teeth so I tried to cut out most of those, like, don't go into the bushes or else big, scary dog will eat you. Because, like, eh, that's kind of boring. And uh, naturally, for me anyway, my first stop was sort of the native culture's view on wolves. That's sort of, I guess that's the closest thing I have to, you know, it's the closest thing to me. I've, I've sort of lived around native people my entire life. Especially in BC, there was a very large native population. And uh, I've always been curious about some of their creation myths and tales and stories, because, like, man, Native Americans know how to fucking weave a web like nobody else. Some of these stories are way more fucking awesome than any of that, like, Norse shit or, like, ancient Rome. So I figured that would be a pretty good place to start is with some of these uh, Native cultures. And in general, all right, don't take anything I say as fucking gospel. If you're doing a book report, uh, just don't use this as a fucking source. But uh, in most Native cultures, the wolves are considered a medicine being associated with courage strength loyalty and success at hunting they're they're sort of like bears wolves are considered closely related to humans by many north american tribes which is really funny because i actually said that earlier where i was like man i feel like you know dogs are a little bit closer related to us than uh than cats are and uh well yeah i, I guess somebody else caught that train way earlier than me but uh the origins of some of those, like, Northwest Coast tribes, such as the, oh boy, here comes the names, uh, such as the, the Quilomet and the uh, Quaquiddle, Quaquiddle, fuck, 
Uh, they basically tell of their first ancestors being transformed from wolves into men, which is a really interesting idea. And also in a Shoshone mythology, though, the wolf sort of plays the role of this noble creator god. But um, it's different everywhere you go. Like like in Anishabi mythology, if I'm even close to saying that right, uh, a wolf character is the the brother and like true best friend of the culture hero. But again. A thousand different ones among the Pueblo tribes. Wolves are considered one of the six directional guardians associated with the east and the color of the white. And uh, the Zunis actually carve little stone wolves for protection, sort of ascribing them to both healing and hunting, which is really interesting for me. But I mean, we've been talking about wolves, I mean, for a long ass time. Uh, if we want to cross the ocean blue, head on over to the UK. All right, let's head over to the UK. Uh, <laughs> they have these uh, fairy dogs, not Lady Gaga Limp Wrist Fairy, F-A-E-R-I-E dogs of these English mythology. And basically, according to legend, at certain crossroads in Britain, there's this portal to another realm where fairies, elves, ancient gods, and basically demons fuck about, invisible to everyone else. And there's this green fairy dog named C.U. Sith. Kusith? Named Kusif? I don't know what he's called, but it basically appears at the crossroads and it barks twice in warning. And it's said that if you hear that third bark, you are doomed. Ooh, but that's, that's not it over there in the UK. Over in uh, Suffolk, Norfolk to be specific, there is uh, the Black Shuck, which is scarier than it sounds. It's not a big clam. It's, uh, it's supposedly this basically hellhound dog of doom that sort of basically warns that, you know, you're about to die or some bad shit is going to happen. You know, if you see this doggo, uh, uh-oh, things are going to be a little yucky. Um, keeping with the UK, even in Welsh folklore from like the 18th century, there's the story of the faithful hound Gelliard. I believe I'm saying that right, but who the fuck knows? He was a, a deer hound who's, who's master of the prince of... Lillywin. Prince of Lillywin. Basically... What this prince la 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 did is he left the dog in charge of his son and he went out hunting, right? And he comes back and the room is in fucking chaos. The baby's gone. And Gellert, the everyone's favorite bloodhound boy, had blood on his muzzle. So basically the dog got put to death because the assumption was this dog fucking killed and ate my baby. And it was only after they had killed the dog that they started to hear a baby crying. Turns out... The baby was just in the crib, even though it was turned upside down so that nobody could see it. And upon further investigation, they also found a dead wolf. So Gellert had died protecting this baby, and he was put to death for it. So when the prince finds out about this mistake, he buries the dog, and he makes a little shrine to his gravesite. And to this day, you can go to this gravesite. It's in a little town called Begligert. B-E-D-D-G-E-L-E-R-T. Begligert. So if you want to go visit, uh, oops, sorry about that one dog grave, then uh, head on over to fucking, head on over to Gelbegert. But uh, in, in conclusion, you know, a lot of the, uh, I sort of bounced around, sort of ignored the like, Norse and Roman stuff because, uh, you know, the Roman stuff is kind of interesting, but you probably know it. You know about Cerberus, three-headed dog, and his little brother who, I can't remember the name of the of the dog's brother, but there was a brother of, 
you know, Cerberus that Hercules actually had to kill as one of his tasks. It was a two-headed dog. I can't remember the name of it for the fucking life of me, but even that, you kind of know that. But uh, I don't know if you knew that the, the founding of Rome, which was based on the story of Romulus and Remus, so they were orphan twins who were raised by a she-wolf. Uh, the name of the wolf was actually uh, Lupercalia. And um, they have a festival now called Lupercalia, Latin. Lupus, of course, which means wolf, as you heard me earlier when I mentioned lupus familiaris. That's, yeah, that's what that be. So now every year in February, there's this multi-purpose event that sort of celebrates the fertility and the livestock and the people as well. It's basically just one big, hey, we did it. We built Rome. Thanks, she-wolf. So uh, that's about all the folklore I, I scraped up, or at least all that I will force you to listen to right about now. I encourage you to do your own digging. There's uh, plenty more stuff. And if you're even like vaguely curious about anything I talked about, dig into it a little more because uh, it's really interesting. I really love those those Native American like creation myths. I don't know why. They're, they're probably my favorite. In the wild world of folklore, Native Americans just, whew, they fucking got it. And it's funny. I was actually talking to people about this, about that I was going to do this episode and I was sort of looking for these things. And uh, I had a friend of mine who basically just mentioned cryptids. Uh, for example, the Michigan Dog Man is a pretty classic one. Supposedly, but based on the people who have seen it, it's like this bipedal, seven-foot Michigan Dog Man. But, like, I mean, I ain't here for cryptids. I love a good cryptid, all right, as much as the next guy. But uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd much prefer to uh, hang out in Native American folklore. Oh, and before I go, actually, something I didn't know until my friend Alex told me. Uh, did you know that one of the most common forms of the Wendigo is like a rotting dog? Hmm. The more you know. Just a little bit louder than mine 
pay the same price It's, uh, it's something you'll hear quite a lot about dogs, but uh, I don't think anyone's ever said it about cats, where they're like, uh, oh, yeah, I, I like cats. It's just, you know, the bigger ones, you know, certain breeds can be a little aggressive. What? Fucking pardon? Excuse me? I mean, everyone has that sort of boogeyman dog they can think of. Pit bulls, Rottweilers. They often fall into that category, that boogeyman of a creature, that that monster is going to eat my precious little poodle. And uh, the boogeyman dog for me growing up in Claire's home was a dog named Brutus. Now, in order for me to walk to school, I would have to walk past the backyard where he was held. And outside of this backyard, it was essentially four or five houses, empty lot, rest of the houses down the street. So uh, they were fortunate enough to have this empty lot that they would sometimes tie their dog to a chain and just let it hang out in the lot next to their house. So basically, it sort of became like the urban legend of Claire's home is Brutus, Brutus the Slayer. So, you know, that classic stand by me, sick em boy, sick balls. That was our chopper, it was a dog named Brutus. And uh, to say I lived in fear of said dog is uh, stretching the truth, to say the least. But uh I would definitely avoid that area sometimes if I heard it barking, and it was always in the back of my mind of like, damn, that sounds like one scary-ass dog. So a couple of years go by, time flies, chest hair sprout. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck I had the urge to say that. That is gross, honestly. I'm going to cancel myself. But uh, yeah, anyway, what I was about to say before I almost vomited into my own mouth was um, 
This dog, Brutus, the slayer, killer, destroyer of men, was owned by my social studies teacher. And this wasn't like a pit bull or like a fucking Rottweiler or a German pincher. It was just a pupper. And it's so strange to me that a lot of big dogs just kind of get labeled in that boogeyman category. You know how many big-ass dogs have, like, little kid toddler energy? Quite a lot of them, honestly. And I find that a little more nerve-wracking than, like, straight intimidating. You know what I mean? That's the issue with big dogs, or at least in my experience. It's not the fact that they're, like, big and scary and they're gonna bite your fucking hand off and start shit with other dogs. No, it's normally... They're such a big dog that they don't really like, they don't really understand like, hey, don't knock shit off the counter. Or like, hey, if you were on two legs, you would probably be the same height as me. So like, it really is just that like little kid energy in a big dumb dog body. And what's, what is there to be afraid of about that little kid? Come over here. Let me give you a energy. Really? I can't think of much of anything in hindsight. How old do you think I am, he said. I said, well, I didn't know. He said, I turned 65 about 11 months ago. I was sitting in Miami pouring blended whiskey down when this old great black gentleman was cleaning up the lounge There wasn't anyone around except this old man and me The guy who ran the bar was watching Ironsides on TV Uninvited he sat down and his mind on old dogs and children and watermelon wine ever had a drink of watermelon wine he asked he told me all about it though I didn't answer back Ain't but three things in this world that's worth a solitary dime. But old dogs and children and watermelon wine. He said women think about themselves when men folk ain't around. And friends are hard to find when they discover that you're down. He said, I tried it all when I was young and in my natural prime. Now it's old dogs and children and watermelon wine. Old dogs. 
care about you even when you make mistakes god bless little children while they're still too young to hate when he moved away i found my pen and copied down that line about old dogs and children and watermelon wine I had to catch a plane up to Atlanta that next day As I left for my room I saw him Picking up my chain That night I dreamed In peaceful sleep Of shady summertime Of old dogs and children And watermelon wine Earlier in this episode, I said something to the effect of, yeah, we really just didn't have, like, dogs growing up. Like, first time there was really a dog in my house when I was, like, fuck, like, 15, 16. And if you are my mom and or sister listening to this, you might be thinking, wait, what? <laughs> what about Max? And it's like, okay, yes. There was a blip in the radar named Max, a small little white guy. Just a small little white boy. <laughs> I don't I don't know what breed he was. He was just a tiny little guy and he was a little white dog. I want to say Shih Tzu. He definitely looked like a Shih Tzu, but I don't know. He was just a tiny little white boy and uh, I liked him. He was nice. He was cool. He was good. It was, you know, it was, it was whatever, but he was kind of in and out pretty darn quick and my memories are pretty yucky. So honestly, when, when Max left, like looking back on it, I kind of just assumed that he died. To be perfectly honest, and that my mom just told us, like, oh, he went to live with our friend Diana. Oh, he's fine. He's just, he's living with our friend Diana, you know, frolicking around in green pastures. And I was like, yeah, sure. I I never really believed her when she told me that. I really just kind of thought that he passed away and she didn't want to tell us that as a kid. And I was talking to her about it a couple of years later and she was like, what? I can I can just show you a picture of Max right now. He's fine. He did, in fact, go and live with Diana, which is, like, really funny to me, honestly. it's It became kind of a bit now where, like, every time Mom brings it up, I'm like, yeah, I'm still not convinced. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. There was a point there where she would just send me, like, a picture of his paw or, like, a picture of his ear and be like, see, he's still alive. And I'm like, eh. I don't know about that, but like, man, doing this episode, it's funny. That's the way it always goes, I suppose, where I start working on an episode. I kind of dive into a theme of some sort. And then in the process of me exploring that theme, it sort of digs up all this, this old stuff that I haven't thought about for a very long time. I wonder if Max is still alive. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll shoot my mom a text and be like, uh, excuse me. Knock, knock. Um... About that Max situation, is he, you know, oh, he's on a beautiful farm with my friend Diana, or is he 
going to be some like Irish grave site from the 1818s that people like still go and visit, man. Let's start that in Canada, the Max Shrine. Hey, man, if you can do it over there in, in, the, in the old Emerald Isle, fuck it, right? I, I'm going to build a Max Shrine. That's what I'm going to do right now, actually. As a matter of fact, hold, uh, hold on. Uh. I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your nine puts. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. <laughs> No more assurance than a great big hunk of lead. If you don't respond to romance, Jack, you dead. When a chick is smiling at you, even though there's nothing said. If you stand there like a statue, Jack, you dead. You've been always kicking, but you stubbed your toes when you ups and kicks the bucket. Just like old man Moe's When you get no kicks from loving And you blow your top instead It's a fact that you ain't living Jack, you dead When your life hangs by a thread If you ain't got no red car puzzles Jack, you dead You've been always kicking But you stubbed your toes When you ups and kicks the bucket Just like old man Moe's When you get no kicks from loving And the news begin to spread All the cats will holler, murder Jack, you dead all the breath has leaked out of you When your friends gather around the bed And look at you and say mm, 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 Don't he look natural When that happens to you daddy Jack you dead When I was a, a very young little boy my, uh, my nana took me to Yellowstone National Park To see some of the geysers Some of the beautiful shit down there It's honestly just a really nice place And uh, maybe it's because I've been there that this story captures my attention so much, or maybe it's just because I love a good, bizarre death. You know what I mean? Just one of those, like, that's definitely not how I want to die type scenarios. And uh, speaking of that's definitely not how I want to die, July 20th, 1981. 24-year-old David Allen Kerwin from California, driving through Yellowstone's paint pot thermal area. Really beautiful area. It's him and his friend Ron and Ron's dog, Moosey. 
interesting name for a dog, but I'm not going to be too hard on it. Uh, it's about 1 p.m. They park the truck, get out, take a closer look at the hot springs. Moosey, that silly little scamp, escapes from the truck and uh, not realizing that hot springs can get up to, you know, over 200 degrees Celsius, thinks she's going to go for a swim and immediately jumps in to the nearby Celestine pool and begins barking instantly. So the two men, Kirwin and Ratliff, they rush over to the pool to aid this terrified dog. And Kerwin looks like he's about to dive into the hot spring after it. And according to bystanders, several people tried to tell him not to. A lot of people told him not to. But he is directly quoted as saying, <clears throat> Like hell I won't. <laughs> I mean, how else do you say that? It's not like, like hell I won't. Like hell I won't. And guess what? He dives headfirst into this fucking hot spring. He goes underwater entirely for a little bit. He pops back out. He got the dog, brings Moosey back to shore. And another direct quote we have from him after getting out is, quote, That was stupid. How bad am I? That, that was a stupid thing I did. Well, uh, it would be one of the last stupid things he would ever do. Uh, he was in horrible shape when they pulled him out of the hot spring. When they tried to take off one of his shoes, the skin of his foot came off with it. He was blind and basically in pure agony. Third degree burns to 100% of his body, including his head. And he died the following morning at Salt Lake City Hospital. And if you're wondering about Moosey, uh, she actually went to live with Diana. Uh, Moosey's fine. She's just she's just frolicking in the fields uh, with with Max, I guess. So that's nice. But that's not the only story of this kind. Actually, uh, this one is non-fatal. But the fact that this even happened twice is kind of astonishing to me. In 2001, a 39 year old tourist from Washington did the exact same thing. Went into one of those thermal pools to uh, pull his dog out when it bolted out of the motorhome and. Uh, he suffered second-degree burns, but he was released from the hospital the next day. And one more before I go, because apparently this is a popular trend, the jump into a fucking hot spring challenge. October 10th, 2014, another man from Reno was hospitalized after he jumped into the Black Spring. And guess why? Guess why he jumped into that hot spring? Every single person I've talked about thus far jumped into a hot spring to save a dog. Like, man... If that don't tell you how much humans like dogs, I, I really don't know what else will. Hot dog, you say you're really coming back. Hot dog, I'm waiting at the railroad track. Hot dog, you say you're coming home for good. Hot dog, I'm gonna keep on knocking wood, baby. I can hardly wait. I'm gonna meet you at the gate. Hot. I fell in love with you and then you went away But now you're coming home to stay, hot dog Soon everything will be alright, hot dog We're gonna have a ball tonight I got a pocket full of dimes It's gonna be just like old times, hot dog You went away and every day was like misery But now you're coming back to me, hot dog my heart is going to go insane Hot dog When you come walking off the train You know how lonely I have been But when that Santa Fe pulls in Hot dog Baby, hot
Well, since this is the uh, 42nd episode, I uh, suppose I better talk about this at some point in time. The earliest real introduction I had to uh, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was my friend Cameron. Now, he was a big fan of the song Thanks for All the Fish. And that was the first anything about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I sort of ran into. And it, it stuck with me. It cracked me up. I didn't really get it, but I wanted to get it. Uh, a couple years later, I ended up watching the movie. And it is quite a fun movie. I probably haven't seen it in fucking a decade now. But uh, I remember really enjoying it at the time. A lot of great actors and a lot of great parts. Of course, Alan Rickman is the Depresso robot. Um, the guy who plays the Hobbit. Oh, fuck. What's that guy's name? Oh, shit. He's also like the main in the Fargo TV show. Which, like, if you haven't seen the Fargo series on Netflix, what the fuck are you doing? Turn this off. Go watch it right now. But just the first season because the second season shits the bed. But that first season is literally the best, well, second best piece of television I've ever seen in my life. So go watch Fargo. But shortly after I watched the movie, I learned that there were radio plays for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is really intriguing to me. And I haven't gone back to that movie since then. And I think when I finally do go back to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's going to have to be in those radio plays. I'm not terribly experienced in the genre of radio plays. Uh, Twilight Zone episodes are about as far as I got. There sure are a lot of them on the radio, and uh, they're interesting to me, but I would love to see how they could even do a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy over the radio. I imagine it would require some sort of Orson Welles-style narration, but uh, I'm eager to check it out. So I haven't yet. To be honest, I haven't gone back to the movie in a very long time, so uh, I really can't say how well that movie holds up. Or even the radio plays. I've never gotten around to them, but uh, whatever you think about A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, whether you're a real big fan or you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You gotta admit, this song is, is a little bit charming. It's an important and popular fact that things are not always what they seem. For instance, on the planet Earth, man had always assumed that he was the most intelligent species occupying the planet, instead of the third most intelligent. The second most intelligent creatures were, of course, dolphins, who, curiously enough, had long known of the impending destruction of the planet Earth. They had made many attempts to alert mankind to the danger, but most of their communications were misinterpreted as amusing attempts to punch footballs or whistle for tidbits so they eventually decided they would leave Earth by their own means. The last ever dolphin message was misinterpreted as a surprisingly sophisticated attempt to do a double backward somersault through a hoop while whistling the star-spangled banner, but in fact the message was this. So long, and thanks for all the fish.
slide back and let the planet dissolve. Despite those nets of tuna feats, we thought that most of you were sweet, especially tiny tops and your pregnant women. So long, so long, so long, so long, so long. People, I don't know why I'm doing that to the tune of but I am, I guess. So, uh, hey, thanks for being here, babies. Aren't you glad I made it through the entire dog episode without mentioning Airbud or Snow Buddies or Treasure Buddies or Space Buddies or etc. Santa Buddies? I know that's one. Oh my God, there's so many of those fucking movies. But I really like this episode. Thank you for joining me. I feel like I've kind of been cranking them out a little faster than I normally do, but uh, I guess that doesn't mean this one's a little bit shorter. I like to try and keep it at as close to an hour as I can. This one's a tiny bit shorter than that, but uh, you know what? It deserves to see the light of day anyway, and I don't really think I got much else to say, so hope you enjoyed it. God knows I did, and we'll see you again sometime soon for a bit less uh, Borker-themed episode. God only knows what I'll be doing next time, but... uh. Actually, it's funny. I might as well address this now. I remember when I first made that uh, It's Fall Y'all episode. One of the first episodes of this entire podcast, I had the thought of like, am I just going to do a fucking episode for like every season? And no, I'm not. I'm not going to keep doing a yearly Halloween special or a yearly Christmas special. So uh, if you were expecting a Christmas special from me this year, there won't be. I think the one I did last year... I'm not going to use the term perfect, but like, I really don't have any updates I'd like to make to it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being here and, uh, we'll see you very, very soon.